Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Another exciting installment of In Soccer We Trust with three of your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team players, Jimmy Conrad, that's me, Hollywood Heath Pierce, and Charlie Chuckwagon Davies. We are so excited to be talking about this U.S.-Panama game because the U.S. did some exciting things. They scored five goals, sucking haters, and they did it with some incredible performances by a lot of players across the board. Maybe all of them. Did Greg Berhalter get everything right? We're going to get into all of that and, of course, all the other results that happened in CONCACAF. But first, I have to say... Just so you know that In Soccer We Trust is a new channel dedicated to those Americans among us who love the beautiful game. Okay, we're going to be talking about this at least three times a week. So make sure you hit that subscribe button if you're listening to us on audio and podcast form, wherever you get your podcasts. And then leave us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate that. You know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll, we'll slip you a high five or a fist bump if you make that happen. If you're watching us on the YouTubes, hit like and subscribe. Turn on the notifications so you never miss an episode, keep those comments coming. And we have a giveaway today. We're trying to give away a $100 Paramount Plus gift card. You got to put P Plus in the comments and leave your social media handle. Don't just, don't forget the handle. You got to put P Plus in your social media handle so you enter to win. We've got two winners to announce from previous giveaways. Yes, very exciting. So we appreciate you guys for following us and all the support and in soccer we trust. We're already at a thousand subscribers. That is awesome. And that really proves that you really think that we're handsome geniuses, and we appreciate that. Speaking of handsome geniuses, I'm going to Heath Pierce. Heath! And I'm going to get to the other handsome uh, genius, Charlie Davis. What are your thoughts? 5-1, Panama, big win, had to win it. We won it, and we did it in some convincing style. What do you say, Heath? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said suck it, haters. I thought that was well said, you know, suck it, haters. I mean, I was worried. I was actually worried for a second there. It was going so well that Jordan Morris was going to score, and then all of the internet was going to just flip out because Ariola had a good game. Jesus Ferreira had a good game. Then, you know, you bring in more of these MLS players. God forbid, what could possibly happen that goes right? But yeah, I think you said it well there. Uh, a fantastic performance. Not surprising. Chuck Davies and I were talking about it after. I want to get his, obviously, initial take. But yeah, not a super... The way in which they played, I thought, uh, was good. But but the result itself, not super surprising. But uh, all credit to the team for, for pulling this one off. Right. Chuck, how are you? What, what, are, you, what are you feeling about this? You know, it, it's it, it feels great just because <laughs> I love it. You know, you, you're finally you're confident that they did they did the job right, and I think it starts back in in Azteca when you you are heading into that game. There's a lot of questions, 
you're thinking, you know, the, all the the debate of do they play their B team? Do you play, you know, Tyler Adams? Do you play Yedlin? Do you play these guys on yellows? Go for the win. And I think what Greg Berhalter showed was the mentality that I think the trust one to play Tyler Adams, a player who is known to to get a yellow, you know, every now and then. He said, "I trust you. Go out and do your job." He did that. The team. They should have came out with three points. It wasn't the best performance, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it reminded me of, of the days that we were on the field together. We we would go after it. You know, yes, we had to defend. Yes, we had to chase the game at times. But whenever there was an opening, we took advantage of it. And I think that's what they did. That led to this game. And in this game, it was the execution. They didn't control the ball. They didn't, they didn't yeah. dictate the game, right? But when they did have the openings – when there was space, they took it and they they were aggressive. They were direct. Mm-hmm. And and this game is much different than the last game because they actually finished this time. And I love mm-hmm. the runs mm-hmm. from Jesus Ferreira. Not that Ricardo Pepe didn't make those runs, but he didn't do it enough. And, and he didn't do mm-hmm. them effective. I think Jesus Ferreira in this game made effective runs into the channel. Mm-hmm. And when he made those runs, he was targeted. Mm-hmm. And and they used him. So I think in this game specifically, the number nine play really allowed the team to continue to gain momentum and get the ball in the final third and start connecting those passes. Jimmy, mm-hmm. do you think that that, that was a, a a smart play from Burhalter to go with Ferreira? Obviously, the circumstances changed when Panama didn't win against Honduras. And Panama probably would have sat back against the yeah. U.S. had their circumstances been different pick and choose their moments. They were always going to have to get something out of this game. But, yeah, you know, similar to the way that we would go on the road, you're more disciplined, you kind of whatever. But they pressed from the start and were more exposed. And 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 we went with Ferreira, like Charlie said, and, and it found these gaps in the channels. The game was very different than what I would have expected should the, had, had the circumstances been different. Do you think that was a smart play or do you think that was a, a thought-through uh, idea from Greg Berhalter thinking that Panama was going to come out and press? So it's tough. I actually thought that Panama was going to sit back for the first 45 minutes and then try to go get the game a little bit by the scruff of the neck in the second half, assuming they could do that because they didn't want to leave themselves too exposed, but it felt at times like a basketball game. Okay. You guys are going to go and try to make something happen. Then they're going to get it and try to do the same thing. I didn't really like that part of it. I wish we controlled the game a little bit more, but I had a couple of keys to the game. And one of them was being proactive. I thought we were on the front foot. We were trying to make the game. We were high pressing. We were trying to, Put a let put them under pressure. Somebody and should thought, sponsor your keys to the game. I think we should. Jimmy, we so should. You know. we should talk <laughs> your, your your keys to the game should get sponsored. Like my, my my second my second one was was play with confidence, and, and I thought that we did that. And I thought that Christian Pulisic was a perfect example. I'm, I'm not sponsoring that key. That's okay, that's, that's a little fine. bit. That's fine. But, but that's fine. Like but, yeah, but I'm, it's I'm with you big, there. Heath. It's a big game. I'm just saying yeah. it kind of ties into the other one. Being proactive, yeah. setting the tone. I thought we did all those things. The other one that I that we've talked about from the very beginning was taking what the game gives us. And, and, and we thought we did that tonight. We, we, if, if there were some gaps to be exploited, I thought we were excellent at finding those gaps and then actually turning those into or bringing attacks to completion, as the, as the famous Heath Pierce would like to say. We, we got ourselves in good spots. I liked the little things. Like De La Torre, he played a nice weighted pass so that Anthony Robinson could hit it first time. Whereas maybe that wasn't happening on a regular basis. Sometimes Anthony would take that second touch. And now the runs are dead. Charlie knows what I'm talking about. If the runs are dead. You just can't be effective to get on the end of crosses. So there's a lot of these little things. And I thought we did an excellent job of that. Somebody asked me before we got started, what would I rate this performance out of 10? And I said a nine for a lot of different reasons intangibles, also the way we performed. But I didn't like the fact that we let Panama have so much of the control of the game and got to dictate the flow. And that bummed me out. We only had 39% possession. 
So, so how can we kind of still take control of that? Even when we don't have the ball, but when, when we do get it, we're making them suffer a little bit more. That, those are my thoughts on that. Look, Joe, look at Jimmy. Go ahead. They're, they're up. They're winning five one. You're 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 hit hit hating on hey, the position. Listen, I'm <laughs> Team America, Charlie. It's Team America. You can't be satisfied. What I'm not satisfied, baby. We're no. trying to win World Cups over no. here, not just qualify for them. Can, can you, <laughs> I, I would like to know if you guys agree that in this window, Greg Berhalter's tactics have been 100 a plus. Yep. Yeah. Including I his agree. player selection, right? Right. I agree. So what, I, what would yeah. you say out of ten, then, Charlie? Well, out of that, what was your performance out of ten there? Um, in this game, I would say, yeah. as good as it was, I would give it an eight. An eight? Okay. Yeah. Well, then, well, give us that, why? Why? Uh, why? Where's the minus two? Eight point five. Because if Panama had more, uh, I, I'd say, matured Discipline? and established <laughs> more, <laughs> no more than anything, established strikers. <laughs> yeah. This game is not five one. Maybe it's five. Uh, you don't get to just add people that what? don't exist, Charlie. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying. They, they, I think they were they were sloppy at times defensively. Yeah, they, they gave away actually pretty pretty good chances. I mean, for for how was the game that scramble? Went. We were up one zero, and there was that crazy scramble in mm-hmm. front of the box where Zach Steffen came out and whiffed. I'll also add that I don't yes. think those were penalties. I really don't. No. But once they're called penalties because there's contact. You can't the VR could never take it off, right? So for me, the first one, it's pretty soft. I mean, and, he, it, I mean I he's not even looking, not no, even looking at the ball, no. though. He's not looking that's at that. the ball. Jimmy, and he, and Jimmy. He like not only does he grab him, Charlie, not only does he grab him, but his other hand is like swinging. It's like a double at his penalty. Face. Yeah, and then it hits <laughs> his arm, Charlie. I mean, it's a double I mean <laughs> Jimmy. there's three, I get there's it. three goals in Listen, that play. Listen, Chuck, I, I dabbled in the dark arts of defending. That's what I'm saying. I get it. know you know. I know, I know you know that I know, but, but still, but still, but still, with with VAR, you got to be really thoughtful about that. That's the only thing I would say to Anibal Godoy, who I appreciate him giving us two penalties. Well played, buddy. You'll, you'll be welcome. You can stand in ovation in Nashville when you go back. We really yes. appreciate you. But, but yeah, I, that's, that's, you're right. I mean, the second one felt a little soft. Sorry, sorry. Just the going sec- up. I was going for the second one, not the yeah, first one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, second, yeah. The first one. Yeah. Okay. First yeah. one the second yes. one the I thought sec- was tough, The second too. one, I... I would have had at least twenty more penalties if that was. A- oh, <laughs> hey, by the way, I wish I wish Des would would put up the second part where after he's got his hands on the throat and he does the whole like basically high five to the face uh, photo as well uh, is is pretty good. But the second one, I agree with you, Charlie. I thought the second one was just. I mean, that's like that's it's like the um, uh, what's it, the the dog pile in the NFL, right? If you if you were to really put a camera under that, like there's there's all kinds of stuff going on, and that's the way the game is played, right? You're trying to get gain an inch either way, trying to create a little bit of space. You're trying to hold mm-hmm. off players, the screens, everything's happening fast. But yeah, once you slow it down, once you go to replay, uh, you know, you're leaving, you're leaving up uh, a lot up for debate. Uh, oh, you're, you're not leaving up for debate. You're, you're allowing it to go into interpretation at a very slow mode. So I agree with that second one as well. Okay. okay. Uh, now Heath, before I let you get into your rating out of 10, I want to ask everybody that's watching right now, live on the YouTubes, what's your rating for the U S in this game against Panama out of 10. And if you're listening to us, Make sure you hit us up at ISWT Pod on Twitter and let us know what you think the rating was for this particular game. One player that surprised me, though, out of out of anyone, and I think is definitely garnering more uh, attention and playing time is Luca Della Torre. Yeah, he's very good. He he is very. I'd say he's so pace, he's he's yeah. very patient on the ball, like on, on the 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 play where he slips through uh, Shaq Moore, I believe on yep, the right yep. side, right? That's right. It, it's that little slight hesitation that goes unnoticed, but mm-hmm. that slight hesitation buys Shaq more time 
to to I think gain, gain an extra step on his defender. And so it's a clear line where you can make that cross. I think he was fantastic tonight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was, by, by the way, and it wasn't even so much about his distribution going forward. There was little things about his game that he that I like about it, and it's so Dutch football of like <laughs> always having an exit everywhere he goes, and he'll take two touches into pressure just to allow a guy to to sort of initiate pressure on him, having an answer with both feet kind of out, even if it's a square ball. There was it was just one point that I think he just laid the ball back to to uh, Robinson, and when he was on the top of the box, we just won it back, and he was kind of dribbling out and just laid it off. And I, and I just thought for a second, there was nothing magical about it, of like just the awareness to draw a player in and then find the next pass. It's so simple, but those mm-hmm. little details mm-hmm. over 90 minutes, knowing you have somebody that's kind of got their head on a swivel that can connect the lines, I thought was really, uh, really good. Reminded me, actually, of like these types of games of the way Gringo Torres was mm-hmm. uh, in games where it's like, yeah. When when you need to have somebody who's got ideas around them that can pass out, that can dribble out of a tight space, relieve the ball, and just keep it at times. There was also times that I wanted him to put his foot on the ball, allow us to have a little bit more possession, mm-hmm. kind of pull it back and go the other way. But overall, right. Jimmy, and, and to go back to your question, I would say, and this is hard. I agree with Charlie. This is a hard one because the score, does, the score in itself under this much pressure has to be a nine for me just because there was a lot of pressure in this game, right? Yeah. You go into yeah. it just before kickoff Costa Rica wins. Panama, who have been... A pretty solid team. We've talked about Coach Chris Jansen and how good he's been in, in this qualifying campaign. Obviously, they needed to win against Honduras. This made it an even bigger challenge uh, that Panama could have tried to come up with something special or spectacular, and they didn't. So I got to give it a nine. But again, I, I there's still some details, like Charlie mentioned, that yeah, yeah. Uh, you, know, you get to the World Cup, you get against better teams, you get against teams that can punish you for mistakes, and you're not as balanced, and, 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 and you're going to get punished. But I thought the U.S. did a pretty good job of of weighing the risks at the right time to be able to like you said Jimmy early on take what the game gives you and mm-hmm. then and then be able to really put this team away with a little bit of help from the ref and things like that but overall just a really solid what i would think again just like mexico a quintessential world cup qualifying performance from the us not spectacular we didn't mm-hmm. play them off the pitch we didn't dominate we, there's no one's winning a, a, a award for for being unbelievable other than you know maybe Pulisic for his uh little little goals in this game <laughs> and Gio Reyna trying his best of to score course, goal. but other than that yeah yeah well I, I would jump in and say just for some fun facts that's the first time a number nine has scored for us since October when Ricardo Pepe scored twice against Jamaica in Austin and that's the first time we had a penalty in our first 12 games yeah you see Charlie if we had a better number nine imagine what we could do to people too <laughs> yeah you know, that's 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 just what's okay now before we take any steps further in this conversation as I teased at the beginning of the podcast, we've got two winners to announce from previous shows. So make sure you put, because we're giving away another Paramount Plus card here, $100. By the way, we're giving away $100 Paramount Plus a gift card. And we have two winners, okay? And they are Denny Davis Woo. and they are Dan Hurricane. Dan Kane, baby. Congratulations. Congratulations, guys. Producer Des has been in contact with you. And now you get to enjoy one of the biggest catalogs of live and on-demand content known to mankind. I'm talking World Cup qualifiers, mm-hmm. talking Champions League, Europa yeah. League, Serie A, NWSL, NFL. You got college basketball movies, series. You got the new Halo series. It's all popping off. Now, for those that didn't win, I'm giving you another chance tonight. So make sure you put P plus in the comments and leave your social media handle afterwards, either Twitter or Instagram. Don't have to put the at. Just put all the letters there and P plus to make sure that you're entered to win. We want to keep giving you guys the good stuff. Okay. Better like this damn video too. You better like, like this it. video. Like it. Subscribe. Turn on notifications. <laughs> Follow us on and subscribe on, on podcast form. Thank you very much. And soccer, we trust. We appreciate you. Okay. 
So now, just to let everybody know, we haven't qualified just yet, but we are super close. Okay, yes. a win or a draw against Costa Rica obviously books our ticket for automatic qualification to Qatar at the end of the year. Or if Costa Rica doesn't beat us by six goals. Now, our friend Matt Doyle has come out and said, if we just forfeit that game, we just lose 3-0, we're going to qualify. But we wouldn't do that. That wouldn't be very sportsmanlike of us. And I feel like we're, we're, we're shooing. Now, would Costa Rica do that to us? That's a good point. I don't know. Maybe they would. Who's to say? But but I feel like we're there. And, and I, I don't, think, I don't just, think anyone would, to be no, honest. Yeah, no, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. But we have a really favorable goal difference mm -hmm. and feeling pretty good. So so just as a as a really quick, let's say, tease before we get back into the Panama game, how many changes do you think, Charlie, you would make? Do you keep what do you do here in this game? I don't, if you make too many changes, I feel like it gets uh, you know, sometimes you throw off the rhythm of the team where we're starting to really establish some good rapport and some good trust. And let's look at the center backs. I like I want more games with Walker Zimmerman and Miles Robinson to continue to strengthen who I believe are our two starting center backs right now. But I could see Aaron Long being slotted in there to get him some minutes. That's just one part of it. What 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 would you say? Would you if you're Greg Berhalter right now, how many changes would you make for that Panama game or uh, Costa Rica game? Excuse me. Well, I, I might put in uh, Ethan Horvath uh, for okay. this game. Mm -hmm. uh, right back Shaq Moore. It seemed like his hamstring got a little tight at the end, so I don't see him playing in this game. So yeah. Yedlin goes back in. Okay. I see Zimmerman and Long playing together. I see maybe George Bello coming in for Anthony Robinson. Uh, I know Anthony could probably play the third game. Yeah, but I, yeah. But I, but I could see him making a change there and giving okay. him another shot. I think so that's Luka, already that's already three changes in the back. Mm -hmm. Jeez, okay, Louise, Charlie, what's going uh, on, with you, man? <laughs> I, actually, I think Anthony Robinson stays. No, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm not. We're, let's not get crazy. Uh, Luca Delatore stays. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Tyler Adams stays. You Eunice, can put a Costa there, though. I think Eunice Musa might be ch changed out. Yeah, I think, I think he he looked. A little he wasn't as today. effective tonight. No. Yeah, he's still so good, though, man. He's like, so good. He's so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, his upside's I, crazy. I think Christian starts again. Mm -hmm. mm. And then, and then, who do you go up top? <laughs> Who's your number nine, Charlie? We'll we'll obviously break this down more in our preview podcast for this particular game. But I'm just just while it's kind of fresh. I I, I would say you you keep you keep Ferrer in. You, you go, you ride the hot hand, right? Okay. I think he's, he's give him 45 at least, and then maybe switch yeah. to halftime based on the situation. Mm -hmm. And I think Gio Reyna starts. Mm. I like that. All right. I like that too. Heath, would I, you make, I, uh, what do you say? I mean, I'm keeping, I'm keeping Jedi and Miles um, because I thought Miles was fantastic tonight. And he was. Uh, solid. Solid I, was. Thought, I thought that he's really struggled recently in the national team. Uh, I think he hasn't looked great to start the MLS season. I think this was one of these games where he just got it all back, where he was quick. He was early to balls. He was patient when he needed to be. He was aggressive when he needed to be. There was not mm -hmm. this like, you know, you can always see it at the at that that little bit of self-doubt at the international level costs you. It costs you goal-scoring mm -hmm. opportunities. It costs you uh, like it, it costs you things, right? And it can cost the team in big moments. And I wasn't super confident on him. He's one that I for sure keep him in. Uh, again, I go with Zimmerman because I think that's the pairing right now. Aaron Long, mm -hmm. I want to have more games. Unfortunately, I don't think this is the right one. He still looked a little bit like he's finding his feet. The game's a little faster now for him mm -hmm. uh, coming back. So I, I want to get him some time at some point in the game if you can. But 
Yeah, man, man, right back. No, no, I mean, we'll have plenty to dissect, uh, yeah, yeah. and I'm sure once we get more of Greg Berhalter's thoughts moving forward. But I, I'd say keep Luca De La Torre because I want to see him, and he, he's been. Yeah, same. I, I remember at times I got real, I got shafted on matches, right? The hard ones. I didn't always get the easy ones. I, I always wanted the home games. Let's open this game up. Let's play, baby. <laughs> I got good feet. Let's get forward. And I remember at times I got some of those Central America ones, and, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, hey, man, why you, why you, why, why this one? Why, why is, why is this my chance? You know. And so I want to see. Luca De La Torre play in a few different scenarios and environments where you know you got to compete a little more. The pressure mm-hmm. is—I mean, while the pressure is off, it's going to be a different game. You're away from home. He's—he's he's now had two uh, solid performances with the national team, but I want to see him continue to be tested in a number of different ways out outside of his comfort zone. So he's another one that I, I definitely yeah. want in as well. Now, there's a good comment here from Brock who says, "I love the chemistry between De La Torre and, and Christian Pulisic." And one thing that I noticed, and one thing that I thought was a good addition of having De La Torre in the starting lineup, is that I feel like. You don't, or Christian Pulisic doesn't have to drop as deep to go get the ball because De La Torre can get him the ball in good spots. So he can stay higher up the field. I mean, this is the first time I saw really Christian Pulisic trying to get in behind as well. That ultimately led to the second goal of Areola's mm-hmm. header where he got in behind, he spun out, laid it back. What a header, in, by the way. Scored. Great header. I mean, that, that guy. Chuck, Chuck Davies type of like off both is legs, those big old quads. Redirection. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, he found himself in a good spot. And I, I also liked, and we didn't mention this yet, but just the commitment to get numbers in the box mm-hmm. and that we didn't take that extra touch. You know, sometimes when you have a game, somebody out wide takes that extra touch. And as we mentioned before, it just kills the runs. We, we, I feel like we whip the ball in with purpose. Are some of them hopeful crosses? Yeah, shit, that's how it works, right? Then you just try to win the second ball and, and keep them under pressure. Make them defend. Make them make Jedi's two big crosses that we credited as being great were hopeful floaters to the back post, and they landed, right? They and landed. his ball to Christian Pulisic was a mishit to the top of the box with spin that he mishit, mistouched, and then Meg didn't finish. Like, sometimes you just got to test that. Okay, well, so go ahead, John, I, go ahead. I, I, I was just saying, I completely forgot Timothy Way is back as well, right? In, yeah, in yeah, that's... Whew. That would be That would be nice to see maybe... You know, uh, I guess you could bring in like oh, you, you could play There's so many options. Yeah, you you could play Gio Reyna in the midfield. You could with with Adams, Delatore, and then you have Timothy Way outright. Why not? Right. What do we have? We're not going to lose by six. I Why love not? how much fans love Luca Delatore because he's technical and good on the ball. That's a that's like a sign to me. Like people love him just from that first game, and this one he played really well. Also, just the. The IQ that he has, I think, is 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 very uh, pronounced. People can see yes. that, which is cool. But it, it's, I think, it's him being so simple allows everyone else to use a bit, a little bit more flair, right? So mm-hmm. if if you have a player who gets on the ball, who likes to get on the ball too, and can relieve pressure to allow you to be more isolated, one v one, have more time and space, like a Christian Pulisic, now you you have time. You feel that you have time to be able to set someone up on the dribble. You don't feel like you have to rush everything. And every, mm-hmm. every time Christian gets on the ball, you feel like, Oh my God, he's rushing. Cause he's thinking two, three, four guys are coming down to close him down. So um, I think with Luca Della Torre, he brings just a sense of calmness to everybody. Right? No, no, no. I've actually had the opportunity. You guys were talking about Paco Torres a little bit earlier, but I got to play with Claudio Gio's dad, which makes me feel really old and John O'Brien. And, and both of those guys had similar vibes, right? You could play them the ball in under any situation, always cool, calm, and collected. And more often than not, they made the right pass to kind of unlock the other team. Or, if anything, to relax us, to your point, Chuck. And uh, when you have that type of quality in your team, it does make a big difference, especially for us lowly center backs that don't know how to pass very well. Or that's at least the perception about us. So let's, let's have this conversation really quick. Greg Berhalter, as you mentioned earlier, Charlie, Really press all the right buttons tactically, pretty spot on. I've really liked our team shape, the spacing between the lines. We haven't been too deep. We haven't been too high. 
I really like where where they're where they are with this particular uh, movement. And when we press, we, we we're pressing with really good purpose. It's not like we're going in ones and twos and trying to defend in ones and twos. We're we're defending as a group, and that's important. Now, Tata Martino struggling in Mexico. There were a lot of cries for Tata to at least get an interviewed by the U.S. men's national team. But it's looking like, based on how he's performing as manager of Mexico, who barely got by Honduras 1-0 away from home, we'll break down that game after the break. But do you feel like Greg Berhalter, after what we've seen so far, we're on the precipice, 99% chance of qualifying for the World Cup automatically. Do you think he's been the right guy to lead us? My answer would be yes. Okay. Because... If, if you decide as a national team coach to, to go in a certain direction, which he did, which is basically hit the restart button and, and start fresh and basically have a group that you can groom through one World Cup qualifying cycle that you expect to, to qualify for. But I think with the end goal being, hey, we're going to come to try and win in 2026, mm-hmm. then this is exactly what you, I think, would have hoped for. Yes, I, I guess finishing top of the group would have been ideal, but we knew this was going to be much tougher than, than I think everyone thought just because none of them had experience in world cup qualifying. It's different. You can play champions league. You can play for all these biggest clubs. It's much different (laughs) playing in Azteca and going to El Salvador and going to Honduras. Like you guys know. So for me, Berhalter, yes. I mean, there's been some, some questionable uh, decisions, right. And tactically, but in the end, when it counted, when it mattered the most, he got all those decisions, right. Okay, so Heath, I, same question to you, but I'm going to add a wrinkle to it. It seems like not only have the players evolved and matured through this World Cup qualifying phase, but it seems like Greg has as well. Almost, we could argue, getting out of his way. Like Sometimes I feel like he was in Pep Guardiola over tinkering territory where he was trying to do too much or was too stubborn to, to call in different people. But we have one of the youngest national teams we've ever had, and, and he's got the group right where we need to be and, and, and confident at exactly the right time as we look to qualify. Now, of course, this is the mere expectation. Like we expect you to qualify and we're going to ultimately judge you on what you do in the world cup. But because we failed to, to qualify last time around, maybe the bar is a little bit lower. What are your thoughts on this Greg Berhalter Tata Martino talk? Yeah. I mean, you look at this, this qualifying campaign and they're not there yet. Yes. They're essentially there. But he's used what is what is the the correct number? It's thirty. What's the number he's used of players in this qualifying campaign? You tell us. You're 30, looking at the it, screen. Thirty-eight <laughs> players. Yeah, I, I see it here now. 30, he's used thirty-eight different players, and only Honduras has used more players in qualifying. And yes, I've been high, we are highly critical, mostly because of the fact of how many players he was changing in those early games of just like the continuity that you're trying to build. But now, when you look back at it, we're on the verge of qualifying. The team is still very young, but it's a hell of a lot more experience than they were when we came into this. So there is short-term objectives being achieved with longer, well, long-term objectives as well. And I think that's a, the good, a sign of a good manager, right? Managing today while trying to manage tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. And while I still am kind of questionable about some of those early days of just sweeping six, seven changes in a, in a starting lineup, we are able to get out of those with points. If you look at how, how well the U S has done, in terms of losing games and qualifying, we, we we're, we're still very good. We haven't played beautifully, but we've gotten players more experienced. The only crit- criticism I would continue to have is that the way they played today wasn't beautiful. Uh, and I think we have enough quality to play a little more beautifully, to have a little more flow, to dictate the play a little more, to demand a little more from our players, to, to, to have a rhythm together mm-hmm, and a mm-hmm. style of play that we start to, we should start to establish for our U S national team because we have so much young talent 
now's the right time to start shaping this style of play, this philosophy. Maybe he's doing that, and it takes more than just qualifying or games of consequence to do that. It takes years and years and years to get to the way that, and I don't want to say Spain or whatever, but you can see a philosophy of the way national teams play around the world. I think we now have enough quality, and we're getting players at a young enough age into the national team from the youth systems into the first team to have a something there that like a system of play or a culture of a culture of like philosophical football. What I think is interesting is that we are now 27 minutes into this podcast and not once have we talked about missing Weston McKinney, Serginho Dest, Brendan Aronson. We obviously talked about Yedlin and, and Wea being out because they were part of the Mexico game and they missed this one. So they were real options. I mean, we are now also demonstrating that we have a lot of depth and, mm -hmm. and that really speaks to the ideology and culture that Greg has set, Charlie. Yeah, I mean, in in the early stages when you're rotating all these guys in and out and some of them don't take their chances and look a little bit out of out of place slash not up for the pace of, of this international game, sometimes it's frustrating to watch because you're saying the, the answer is right there. You don't have to tinker here. But – that was all part of, of him growing and maturing as a national team coach, right? So he had to, I think, learn from his mistakes, which I think he's done. That's the important thing is we're not repeating mistakes here. We know – I think we, we basically had a good understanding of nine positions, nine starters on this group. I think the number nine – we're not going to know who the number nine is for this, this team probably until the World Cup camp. Because I will give it a whole another spring to see if there's another player that comes out of the woodwork. If you know, oh, Ricardo, Ricardo Pepe, please leave Augsburg and go somewhere yeah, better. Uh, you know, sorry, I just had to say a quick little. He should have gone yeah. to Wolfsburg, man. Anyway, keep going. Chuck. You know, it, it, it could be a DK emerges and starts like maturing and becoming a, a top striker. If Ricardo Pepe gets going, if I, you know, it's it's going to be hard for Jordan P. Folk to to get going again because you know I've been there as a striker. You get your chance. You've, you've been waiting forever. You're scoring goals in your club. You get your opportunity and you flub it. He's yeah. probably feeling rock bottom right now. Zero confidence. So now it's what kind of character and mentality does he have? How, what are the people mm -hmm. that are around him to kind of try and pick him up? It's going to be really important to see how he reacts from, from, from this low point. Maybe it's you, a, um, some minutes against Costa Rica. Do you feel like Jordan P. Folk, Charlie, I'll come back to you on this. Needs mm -hmm. to go somewhere else from young boys. Like he's already proven what he can do in the Swiss league and now has to make a move over the summer. I think that's what's interesting about this world cup is that we might have a lot of players moving from their current clubs over the summer mm -hmm. to go somewhere new, which could be good and maybe not so good. Cause if they don't really find their footing with a new coach, maybe they're out of favor and that hurts their form heading into a world cup. Charlie, you moved a year before the world cup, right? Uh, like you moved summer of 2009. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you feel that was the right amount of time for you to sort of, I mean, it was a risk, right? You were running a risk. You were in peak form, yes. but you were going to a bigger club, tougher environment, running mm -hmm. the risk of, of, of losing your spot by just not playing minutes. You know, you're, you're, you're paid to score goals. You don't do that. You find yourself on the bench. You can find yourself out of the conversation for the world, uh, the world cup team. I think every player, um, has a, 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 understanding of of where they are right and and i think the confidence level for me after confederations cup i felt like i could play against anyone any league anywhere and the next step for me that wasn't going from you know the swedish Allsvenskan league and, and being a top scorer there to jumping already to the premier league and champions league or something was playing in liga on a mid-table team 
that for me was the the right step because it wasn't a team that's going to have to fight relegation. It was a team where, you know, I had a conversation with the manager and the sporting director, and it was, we believe in you, you're going to get opportunities to play. And so for, I think when you're looking at Ricardo Pepe's move, it's Bundesliga and directly into the relegation fight where if you don't perform or train well, which from what I understand, he's, not the bet hasn't had the best of, of trainings with the U.S. men's national team. Um, sometimes that that affects your 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 I guess your psyche because all of a sudden you're put in a position where you're not guaranteed to play, no matter how much money you were bought for, or how much money you make on that team, and so that that can kind of set someone back and kind of have them spiraling. For me, I was I think I was ready for that next step, and I came into a team where I had to I guess be start on the bench and we i came off the bench the first game then the second game we come, came off the bench at halftime and i scored a brace against the league champions Ooh, must be nice charlie flex. we appreciate you charlie because we like to flex all the time yeah. and hey, uh, you, Jimmy, you beat us to it this time hey, yes i will i will say this i do think pfock if he wants to go to the world cup has to move to earn the respect Agreed. of the level because we got 27 in camp right now 23 are, right. are on the plane to the world cup and right. that's not including the the Weston McKinney, Serginho Dest, you know, uh, a, a, any other players that could emerge in the next twelve months. You know, we, we're looking at Luca De La Torre. He's emerged in the last few months. Mm-hmm. Uh, Walker Zimmerman in the last eight, eight or six, right. five months, I guess, from summer. Yeah. Like we're seeing Aaron Long coming back. There's a number of guys. Like this is a big pool of players. There's going to be a lot of unhappy people, and there's going to, I think, still be a couple people that we're going to be shocked with that get left off the team just because there's no room and it, and you, you're going you know to understand the argument, but yeah, he's going to have to, after landed on him and get left off the roster in 2014, nothing yeah, by a guy who, anymore. Yeah, but by a guy nothing who scored his first touch in the world cup. What okay. You say, you know? All right. All right. All right. Julian well, Green, I, first touch in the world cup goal. Hold on. Go. I want to give a shout out to Kego Lasso, one of our other CBS sports podcasts. They are in the chat. Make sure you follow them because they are covering all the other parts of the beautiful game and also U.S. soccer, but we're the ones that you really want to come hang out with. So make sure you subscribe here for that. And Fantasy Football Today, another great CBS Sports podcast. They said big win tonight. We appreciate your guys' support. And thinking about the comments, we're giving away a $100 Paramount Plus gift card today. This is what you have to do in the chat. Hit P+, put that in the comments, and then your social media handle. You have to put the at sign, just social media handle Twitter, Instagram, whatever, to be entered to win so we can give away another $100 gift card. We already announced two winners. After the recap of U.S. versus Costa Rica, we'll announce the winner for this particular gift card. We appreciate you. Okay, because I'm feeling euphoric, Charlie and Heath, and because this game is making me excited, we are so close, 99.9% a lock for automatic qualification, obviously, unless we lose by six goals to Costa Rica. That's not going to happen. We've only given up what, eight goals through 13 games? Okay, maybe I, I, you know what? I don't want to put any bad vibes out there. Let's just say it's not going to happen. But who's your best 11? If the World Cup started tomorrow, and and Charlie, I've been going to you first a lot. I'm going to put Heath on the hot seat first. So Why? You think, this is Charlie. the hardest one. Jeez, I know, please, I know, I know. Charlie. No, I'm going to you, Hollywood Heath. So Heath, your best 11. The World Cup starts tomorrow. Who are you going with, assuming everybody's healthy? And everybody uh, listening and watching, you got to hit us up yeah, on Twitter, yeah. ISWT pod. If you're listening, you can hit us up later. That's on Twitter, ISWT Pod. And if you're watching right now on YouTube, let us know who's your, who's your yeah. best eleven. World Cup I'm, starts tomorrow. Go, Heath. I, go. I'm, I'm sweet. I, I'm just swapping in Dest uh, at right back, same back three. Okay. I've got I've got Musa McKinney Adams still in my in my in my three. Ooh. And 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 then I've got. Uh, wait wait wait. Would you consider De La Torre based on the opponent? Instead of Musa. Uh, Instead of Musa. I don't no, know. Maybe Musa. No. Maybe, maybe De La Torre McKinney. Look, dude. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just. I, this is just, I'm just me. Saying. 
But Moose is a starter in my team every time. He makes the team. He makes the team better. He can do things that I don't I think agree. very many. I mean, Luca De La Torre is very good, but the World Cup I think is going to be okay. uh, a little different than playing against you know again well very different right. than playing against the teams that I think Luca De La Torre currently matches up well against okay. in terms of his style of play. And then I'm gonna, I got Reyna on the field just because I need that that uh, I need that that vibe. Reyna the the one downside with him that I worry about is his body language at times can be a little tough. Uh, and a little disappointing. I know he's being hard on himself, but it's one that I continue to see and worry about. Um, if you want to go back and see it, go watch Jordan P. Fox miss and then uh, and then look at the angle from uh, Gio Reyna <laughs> having to watch it happen. But but then I've got uh, and then and then on the on the left side, obviously Pulisic, and then up top. I mean, dude, I guess I got to go with Ferreira. I, I don't think Ferreira is great at holdup play. I think that's a, a problem in at the World Cup level because you might be playing against teams where you're not going to get the ball back for a while. Uh, and different styles of play, completely different styles of play against European teams than African teams than Asian teams. Like we, we we've gotten pretty good at, at Concacaf, but yeah, that's 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 the one the one circle up top is like that could be an opponent to opponent. But if it was today, then it's got to be Ferrer because I think he's got the hot hand. Okay, wow, I put you on the hot seat, and I feel like you delivered. I feel like there's a couple people also agreeing. I mean, it's you. a pretty standard lineup. Yeah, I don't think there's any is, like no one's is. blown my mind. Uh, no, I get it. I get game. it. I, I actually think I, mean, I might change one or two players, and Charlie might as well. But we're gonna get into our lineups right after this break, everybody. So don't go anywhere. Robert Half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yes, welcome back to the In Soccer We Trust podcast. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Heath Pierce and Charlie Davies. Now, Heath had, I don't know, the pleasure of giving us his best 11 right now. Well, Jimmy, if you're only going to change one, by the way, let Charlie go before you. If you're only okay, Charlie, one, Charlie, Charlie, go ahead. You're gonna, what's your best 11? World Cup starts tomorrow. Who are you starting for the U.S.? You're Greg Berhalter. Go, Charlie. Oh, by the way, uh, we've got a question in there. Jim Thomas wants to know uh, who my keeper is. It's Stefan still. I mean, I, Stefan was the, was the mo most suspect player today for me in terms of his decision-making, but didn't have to be much better because the attack was good. But he's still my, he's still my guy uh, if, if, if it started today. Charlie, you? Yeah, Stefan. Stefan in goal. Uh, Anthony. Miles Zimmerman, Dest, mm. Tyler Adams, Eunice Musa, Gio Reyna. Whoa, oh, whoa! I like that. I like that. Whoa, My guy's whoa, going on a limb, whoa, McKinney. Whoa! West West on West off a uh, West off. No. Uh, West off <laughs> McKinney. Whoa, what's happening? Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh. Oh, he's God. trolling us Charlie Davis no. is trolling us I, I want uh, Gio there so bad by easy. the way I, I do too but he, he, it just it just not going to fit um, so Gio on the right Christian Pulisic on the left and then up top right now if I had to pick it's Jesus Ferreira because he's he's right the hot striker I think 
like you guys said, if you're not holding up the ball and you're not someone who can kind of strike fear into the back line with your pace, it, it's kind of hard to figure out how he can be dynamic between different opponents. So I think right now what we've seen through World Cup qualifying, that midfield of uh, McKinney, MMA. Adams, and MMA. and Amusa is just it's just so dynamic. It really is. It's hard. It's hard to imagine swapping someone out i guess the only thing you could see is musa going out to the right because he plays on the right with valencia and then uh, gio reyna coming more central um but that's about it or you know using a a, a timothy way up at the number nine you know if he somehow started to develop there i know not with leal he's not going to play there but if jonathan david moves and maybe they move him there but you know it's it's a it's a position that we need we need a little bit more from to compete for a World Cup. So you guys have the same lineup. I, I ultimately agree with you guys, but but for a contrast, I still fear a little bit that when Pulisic is on the field with let's say an Aronson who I think are duplicative, as mm-hmm. he likes to say, mm-hmm. even Gio Reyna, when he gets the ball, he still likes to he likes to come inside. That's where his where his instincts are. That's where he likes to work his magic. I feel like we might lose a little verticality if we don't have a Wea or an Ariel. Not that I don't Ariel is not going to start, but at least somebody who's going to try to get in behind, and it, that will ultimately create space for the other guys that are that are staying. We need somebody to go in advance of the number nine at times because we have number nines that like to drop in the midfield. So if Pulisic's not going to do that and he's looking to get the ball when he drops in and tries to get it and turn and run at people, that's my only concern and where I think maybe you could make an argument for a way to potentially start. And Gio's been, for better or for worse, been an excellent super sub right now, coming on and when legs are a little bit tired, making a little yeah. bit of a difference. Gio, by the way. I'm just saying, yeah. I'm just throwing it out there. Well, I mean, I mean yes, I, pound for pound, I, I get what you guys are coming with. Uh, the, the other thing that I worry about with Gio, which is, again, why I like the super sub aspect, he is not great at pressing predictably for the team. And if we're going to be a pressing team, which I don't know if that's the answer, right? We haven't done that really well for long periods. And I know Greg Berhalter really wants to press. And he wants to press all the time. Um, and if we do learn how to press well up underneath Gio and we're winning the ball in good spots and I need Gio on the field all the time. Now, if we've got to find ways to get into the attack further, cause we're not pressing well, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it is certainly a trade-off there. Yeah. Charlie, what do you got on that? Yeah. You know, you, you have Dest, right? So, when you look at him on the attacking side of the ball, he's always going to be bombing forward. True. Right? So, so you do have the verticality and the width with Dest because if it's Gio Reyna or it's Yunus Musa, whoever's playing on the right other than Timothy Weah, they're going to naturally come inside to try and mm-hmm. offload mm-hmm. the midfield to give you more numbers. Therefore, you're creating more space for Dest, right? So I think it does work with Gio Reyna and Dest playing together just because of that combination. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the same with Christian because Anthony uh, Robinson – always gets up and down the left flank. True. However, I'd like to see what we saw today from Christian, which we didn't see in the Mexico game. There were opportunities to make runs in behind. Yeah, right. And and he would drop, he would drop, he'd come to the ball and you're thinking, Christian, get in behind. Right. Tonight, that would, well, that would open did. up space for other people. Right. Tonight right. he did. But also did. the Luca De La Torre, I think, changes the it dynamic does. Of, does. of that range of passing that you have. And, it, and I actually think that it helps to connect those lines a little bit better, which I give Yunus Musa credit for, but when it is Musa McKinney and Adams, I don't think we're always good at connecting all of the lines through. I think we're really solid and we can win the midfield battle. But in terms of that flow of going forward in a build-up play, because teams, again, we've really struggled when teams sit back against us. Well, so, so because we have a number nine issue, ultimately, and that we like Jesus Ferrer and Ricardo Pepe because they like to drop in into midfield and combine, 
couldn't we then consider a Gio Reyna as a false nine potentially? Or no, or no. I'm no. just throwing that out there because I'm seeing a lot of like we have to start Gio Reyna no matter what. But but if you drop him into midfield centrally, which I think he would be a nice spot for him, who are you gonna take out? Is it Musa? Is it McKinney? I mean, probably it becomes Musa. a little okay, but then but then to your point about him not pressing the way that you like, Musa's very good at that. And and if 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 Gio's picking his spots or or not, if he's trying to you know, sometimes when players go and the rest of the team's not ready yet, you know, we can't be defending in ones and twos, especially mm -hmm. when you get in the group stages and, and every roll of the ball matters. I think Gio does the first press wave of the press, but he doesn't always continue that. You know, if you watch like the frantic pace of like a really good gagging press, then, you know, it's kind of that three, four, you know, five seconds where eventually right. it's not the first pass. They, right. You want to put the, get the person put their head down and then everything else becomes predictable around that. That I think if you have players around that, they get that. Yeah, I mean, I love I love Reyna at the ten too, but again, I, you start to go like, man, if I'm if I'm playing like beautiful football, of course I want him uh, underneath the striker and connected to the attack. But like at the same time, you're like, well, if you have in the modern game now, teams are good enough across the board that if you have one player that arrives late, they break your press every time. Okay, let's talk about the back line then. We're all pretty set on what it looks like right now, but is there a shout for Chris Richards to probably? potentially push in. I mean, I know that Eric Palmer Brown got called in. I, I'm a big fan of Eric Palmer Brown's game, but he's just going to need more minutes, I think, in his uh, club form to continue to push. I think friendlies are going to be really important as well. Uh, John Brooks seems like he's out. I don't really feel like he's part of the conversation anymore, despite other people probably wanting him. But given that situation, Charlie, I'm going to come to you. Like, who are our right. four center backs, do you think, for, for the World Cup? I think if Chris Richards gets back to, to full fitness and he's playing in the Bundesliga, he's going to be one of the four. Okay. I, I think he's proven to Greg what he's uh, capable of. I, I think the Canada game was was probably his lowest point with the U.S. men's national team. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But other than that, I, I do think this is a player that's still growing. He He's still learning and progressing, and I see him being in the in the four. Obviously, Miles Robinson and Zimmerman are locks. Mm-hmm. Eric Palmer Brown looked pretty good coming into the Mexico game. And he's now he's playing consistent minutes in Liga. And everyone talked about him going to Juve and all these big clubs around the world when he was younger. But he, he never had consistent playing time with Sporting mm -hmm. Kansas City. So I was thinking, how is this possible if this kid's not playing for Sporting Kansas City? Now it looks like he's starting to get those minutes, right? Mm -hmm. he's, it's almost like he's a late bloomer. That could be a surprise, I think, for, for the back four come the uh, World Cup. He could be at the right back position too. I mean, he could potentially right. be covered there. I'm not saying he's your top choice, but he could be covered there. Well, he, 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 how you, about you? Your four center backs. Go Sorry, ahead, go ahead. I, I was going to say just to add, when you're when you're talking about depth, you want defenders who can play multiple positions, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so, the fact that Eric Palmer Brown can play center back, can play right back, can play even defensive midfielder, mm -hmm. right? That that's a, a huge advantage for him. Yeah, yeah, that was literally the point I was going into is like once you get to 18 out of 23, you're looking for you're looking for versatility, right? You need somebody that can cover your left back in a bind, play center back or cover right back in a bind as but as a center back that has the ability to to allow you to not use two in every position so that you can load up on strikers or load up on attacking players or maybe you want to bring an extra midfielder like a Luca De La Torre because it doesn't fit for most opponents, but maybe a certain opponent it does. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying as an example, I'm not saying Luca De La Toya in general, but it allows you to actually have a few guys that you could use in specialty type scenarios or environments so that you're not just saying like, I need a first left back and a second left back. Like, why would you right. need that? If you got a left footed center back that can slot in or a left midfielder that can drop back, then you've got that coverage. Um, for, for the center backs, for me, I, th I think definitely Chris Richards, 
Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens to Mark McKenzie because I know Greg likes him, but he, he's he's in a tough spot, but he's got the summer to, to, to make a move as well. John mm-hmm. Anthony Brooks, I think, is out. My worry with the current crop of center backs in general is that I have yet to see, and except for Chris Richards, a center back that's good at driving into the midfield to initiate pressure, comfort on the ball, mm-hmm. and because both of them right now, Robinson and Zimmerman, Lockdown defenders, very good, very athletic, can cover ground, good in the air. But we're probably going to need a little bit more class on the ball to go to the next level with our center backs to be able to do what John Anthony Brooks could do when he hits a long diagonal or change the point of attack or or slot it, like really be willing to hit those penetrating passes to break a couple lines. That I think we're missing with the center back contingent that we have. Mm-hmm. I, I think if Chris Richards can continue to play, he's got that that confidence um, right, right. And similar to to uh, Brian Reynolds, who's got that confidence when he's on the ball, just that ability to slot passes into tight spaces. Another guy that could emerge uh, mm-hmm. o- over time. But yeah, I think your fourth is 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 a toss up uh, at at the center back position right now. Yeah, I'm gonna. If I had to guess, I would say Aaron Long, Walker Zimmerman, Miles Robinson, and Chris Richards will end up being our four center backs. It's gonna have to take unless one of them gets hurt, of course. But that. Uh, Seems like the choice. And I, I know Greg's a big fan of Aaron Long, and, and he's only going to get healthier as the year progresses. So we'll see how he plays with the New York Red Bulls. Okay. The best part about us not qualifying officially, because we're like 99% there, is that we get to celebrate on the next recap podcast after the Costa Rica game when we finally do it. So we'll, obviously, we're going to have a preview of the Costa Rica game, but we do want to show some respect to our opponents in CONCACAF and get into some results that also happened today let's start with canada everybody the first time they qualified for a world cup in 36 years and they did it in real style they should have won 10-0 that's how bad jamaica's defense was but heath what were your thoughts about canada getting this done and being the best team in Concacaf through world cup qualifying this is no disrespect to jamaica because i know there's there's actual like financial implications of bringing in your players after you've been eliminated it's a big cost to bring in players from all around the world and and i know that there's a lot of developing football nations that don't have the resources so mm-hmm. it sounds a little bit it's very spoiled of me to, to think otherwise but they also didn't bring in any of their best players to play in big games that that you want but all credit to canada they've been fantastic from start to finish they've been the surprise going all the way back to the gold cup where john herdman started talking about we play everything like it's a final so much so that we we teased we teased uh teased him a little bit for using that that quote as many times as he did in the gold cup but he did that as his team was going down with injuries throughout the Gold Cup, right? He was losing players. He's losing his best players. Didn't have a couple of his best players, Alfonso Davies, um, for the Gold Cup, but really built a mentality out of this team of just being like, we are going to be really hard to play against. And then started to sprinkle in his quality players. And we saw, going back to the very first game, I think it was Honduras against Canada. Honduras could have won that game against Canada. And then they mm-hmm. woke up. They were like, okay, we're not there yet. We got to go back to that fight we had this summer. We've got to change the, our mentality. And that mentality shifted, and they never stopped. And so for them to qualify in the way that they did in front of their home fans, it was convincing. They scored from the very, very beginning. They controlled the match from start to finish, uh, similar to I think the U.S. did under under pressure. But Canada deserve so much credit for what they've done, for the development of the players that they have, the quality of the crop of the players, the depth of the players that they have. They've used a ton of players as well. We never knew what their starting lineup was going to be. And every time they changed two center backs or one center back or a center back would play right back. They switched out their midfield. Eustachio wasn't in. They used 
um, uh, 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 what's his name that's playing in Turkey? That's like uh, they're 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 Atiba they're, Hutchinson. Atiba Hutchinson, who's who's like been with the national team for for decades. Dude, like I they just switched, rotated everyone. I in. switched jerseys with them way back when. Yeah. That's how old that dude yeah. is. Like yeah, they 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 found a way to continue to swap players in and out without ever missing a beat, and I think that's really really impressive. And yeah, congrats to them. Uh, well deserved. And I actually think they're going to be a team that's going to be very hard to play against uh, in the World Cup. Yeah, they're a team that I don't think you want to face. They're kind of like drawing Ajax in the Champions League. You're like, ah, oh, crap, these guys are good. They have some players, and if they get that little bit of belief, they could really take it to us. But what I really love about Canada, outside of their manager, John Herdman, who is the only coach in the history of the game to now qualify both a men's and women's national team to a World Cup, which is an incredible achievement, Oh yeah, is the fact that they played two strikers, Jonathan David and Kyle Lahren. Kyle Lahren is just a a different animal when it comes to playing for his national team. No disrespect to his club form, but I just feel like he's just inspired in a different way. And sometimes <laughs> when you put on your, your, your national team Jersey, you just, you come up. I mean, we say it with Timo way as well. Like all of a sudden he just plays with this different type of confidence, but I love that they play with two strikers because we don't see that very often. It's very four, three, three esque out there these days or, hey, or Hey, yes. Jimmy, uh, I, I'm sorry, man. But if you're listening to this on audio, a comment just came up that said Jimmy swapped jerseys with Pele also, which is kind of <laughs> when, he was, when he was playing for the Cosmos. <laughs> Jimmy was player of the year uh, in, in, so. in, in NASL. <laughs> yeah, so. it, was me, it was me, George Best, and Pele for uh, uh, MVP. And, uh, and I ended that's, up that's good. I love the banter. I wish I wish people would attack us more often. I mean, more I often at Jimmy than, than, than me, but like I like, I like, uh, I like being uh, laugh. I like laughing. All right, Chuck, talk to me about the two strikers from Canada and, and why you think they're good. Man, I, I, you know me. I love a two-striker system. Jonathan David has really developed as a, a striker who's, I guess, multifaceted, right? The hold-up play, he's big and strong. But now he's becoming a, a clinical goal scorer, and he can create goals. So for his runs, in, in, in essence, are creating space for Kyle Lahren, right? And mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. his ability to play the one-twos, I mean, even against the U.S. in that game uh, in Canada, he, he's just a very effective player. Now every club in, in Europe is after him, really. And you have Kyle Lahren who, you know, left Orlando City and on kind of bad terms, forced his way out to go to Besiktas, big money move. And – He's still a, a really effective, big-body goal scorer. Makes good runs in the box. You have to mark him. He usually finishes his chances when he gets them. So now you have two players who can change the game off of one chance, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We don't have one as a, as a nine. We They have two, right? Right. Then you, then you throw in Tejan Buchanan. Mm -hmm. That He's a player who can create everything on his own off the dribble quickness and he's and he's got that tenacity you talked about john herman saying hey we're canada we have to instill this this toughness that we don't take anything from anyone tajon's born with that right that he he plays with a chip on his shoulder similar to clint dempsey they have the same type of mentality they're they're out there to to survive and mm -hmm. you, you really don't want to get into 50 50 with him right that's the kind of players that i think canada have developed into i think alistair johnson's another player who kind of came out of nowhere, you know, playing at Wake Forest in college, had a, a, a pretty successful transition with Nashville. But now with the national team, has come into his own. He, he's, mm -hmm. he's a defender you can look at and say, man, he's a lockdown defender. He's making the right tackles, making the right decisions. And then Kamal Miller on the other side, same type of thing. With Canada, they're, they're raising to the level. Mm -hmm. and, and, they, and they've, for me, I was always questioning Canada's defense. When you have Steven Vittoria, who's, you know, not the quickest player in the world. Jimmy, My age. You, you might, you, <laughs> Jimmy, you might have him beat for pace. Uh, 
still, which is great still, right now, <laughs> but they managed to make it work because right. of the players that they surround Steven Vittori with. They don't make him do. They gave up much. six goals in 13 games, by the way. It's pretty phenomenal. Dude, they, uh, listen, it's, it's because they have a goalkeeper that wears dad sweats. Okay. I mean, that's, <laughs> he's got those, I, I forgot those, about that. Those indoor soccer sweatpants. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, you got to look at NSL, uh, NASL days. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like the only time he didn't wear them was in Costa Rica when they lost coincidence. I think not, everybody. I just feel like those are some magic, magic pants. And what's scary is Alfonso Davies wasn't really a part of the team in this. So you could have a front four of Alfonso Davies playing like a, a wide wide on the left. You got Jonathan David, Kyle Laren, and, and Tejon Buchanan on the right. And you got a front four that I think would trouble any back four in the world. I really do. And I think that's uh, that's a great place for Canada to be in. And, and as you mentioned, Heath, I don't think you want to face them in the group stages. I'm very curious about the draw, which is happening on April 1st. All right, here's a question from Andre who says, I have a question for you guys. Canada's first place in World Cup qualifiers versus the US, USA Nations League and Gold Cup championships. Which is more important to determine the biggest CONCACAF team right now? I would say World Cup qualifying, frankly, because the Nations League was new and Gold Cup, even though it was good because it was like a, a team we hadn't really played together. And we, we I think we've, we found some players that could really help us. Miles Robinson really stands out from parlaying that that performance in the gold cup and becoming a mainstay well. for us matt turner's another one but with regard to world cup qualifying is where it really counts man you get bounced in the gold cup all right it happens you lose in the nation's like ah this tournament just started but if you can be on top of the table in world cup qualifying that really speaks to how good of a team you are it, through a lot of difficult circumstances heath do you do you agree with me yeah, I especially. I mean, looking at it exactly today, the U.S. is still not in. We went into today very, very, uh, or at least I did, very nervous. And so to have the comfort that I think Canada's had for a while now of of the path that they were on, with the strength of schedule that they had, I mean, that is a an incredible, incredible feat. Obviously, I think once the U.S. qualifies on Wednesday, you go, okay, looking back over this year, incredible the way that we've developed mm-hmm. players. Again, short term, long term goals. We we still made it into the World Cup. You know, it's like what what do you call the person that finished? uh that that graduated bottom of their class in med school you call him a doctor right this is like uh <laughs> it's the same thing like you qualify for a world cup you qualify for a world cup and so, sure. so uh i think over a year over that year you look at all that put together and you go okay i think the u.s has done a, a great job but to see where canada has come from where they started to where they are now i mean that's unbelievable because it was it was less expected the u.s is expected to do or at least compete for all the things that they're doing right now canada on the other hand they were probably the only ones that believed what they believed uh, up until now. And now they've got the whole mm-hmm. kind of world uh, with their eyes on them and congratulating them for, for being the first to qualify for the World Cup top of the table. Yeah, amazing from Canada. Let's move over now, though, to Costa Rica, who've been red hot. Maybe the hottest mm-hmm. team over the last six games. They have five wins out of their last six. They have now qualified for at least fourth spot. They still have some work to do against us on the last day. Uh, they're going to need a couple things go their way. But it looks like at the very least, they've booked their spot for the fourth spot. They probably play New Zealand in a one-off game, 90 minutes in Qatar to see who gets one of those last World Cup spots. They have scored more than one goal, Chuck, three times during this qualifying cycle. Two goals versus 10-man El Salvador, two goals versus Honduras at home, and two versus El Salvador today. And really took advantage of some mistakes and then scored an amazing bicycle kick. How impressed have you been with the Ticos really kind of being their backs up against it and figuring out a way to get themselves in a position where they're so close now 
to even if they get into the playoff of, of getting into the World Cup when Panama was the red hot team we were talking about for the first, mm-hmm. you know, six to eight games. Hey, Charlie, before you answer real quick, just to give context on that New Zealand game, New Zealand still has to beat the Solomon Islands after taking down Tahiti 1 0. Solomon Islands beat Papua New Guinea. Uh, and now they have to play uh, Solomon Islands versus New Zealand, and they'll make that half bid playoff against the U.S. and Qatar. What I mean, not against the U.S., against CONCACAF in Qatar. <laughs> Sorry, I wanted to give context to people. You know what I mean? It's a one off game. You never know who you're going to play. Uh, I, I think for me, this this Costa Rican team could have easily just tanked and said, we're, we're done. Mm-hmm. It starts with Kaylor Navas. He's your leader. I think everyone looked to him to say, hey, what direction are we going to go in? Is this a team that's going to fight and, and try and get back into a World Cup? Or is this a, a team where we're just going to say, give it up and, and go back to your playing your club football wherever you play, right? I think they they said, let's we don't have a striker. We don't. So – we have to play like a makeshift sh- striker in Joel Campbell. He's going to be our, our kind of our withdrawn nine in a way. We're going to look to create off of, you know, set pieces. we got to be defensively sound, counterattacks, but we are not going to give up anything. That's the way they played, and it's worked out to, to, to their benefit because at the end of the day, they don't have playmakers. They have experience. And right. experience, and this goes to show, in CONCACAF, Sometimes you don't need a number of special attacking players with flair and quality. You mm-hmm. need experience. And this is an older team. And you look at Cecil Borges. I mean, this is a player who has been doing it since 2007, right? You look at Brian Ruiz and then Kaylor Navas. Those three players in particular get this team going, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone's, everyone's bought in because of those three players. And I think center backs, Francisco Calvo, he plays so much different with Costa Rica than he does in, in Major League Soccer. It's it's almost like you're watching someone who plays in La Liga every week versus you know some of the the mistakes that he gets caught out in in MLS because he dives in or he's too aggressive or he takes too much time on the ball. With Costa Rica, he's he's pretty simple. He he he's the one who's supposed to make the game from the back. He he looks to play you know those killer balls to the striker's feet. They play off that, and then off of set pieces, he's dangerous as can be. I mean, in MLS, he scored a, a brace this this year already, but. They are very good at playing simple and playing defensive and, and winning in transition and set pieces. Right. That's what makes them so good and difficult to play against. The yeah, other thing, go yeah, ahead. Sorry, Jimmy. I, the, the last thing I wanted to add to that is that I myself, like many others, almost dis, was almost disrespectful to the to the national team that they had in terms of the age of their players. The, you know, I wasn't calling it. I'm calling it experience now. Back then, I was calling it kind of like ridiculous. I was calling it old, right? They were old. And they've been able to tap into that when everybody, again, wrote them off and Panama was riding this wave to go on mm-hmm. these last, what is it, five of six, Jimmy, you said? Yeah, they um, went five out of the last six. Five of the last six. Incredible. Like, that's an unbelievable run and really hard to do with home and away games in CONCACAF. And again, doing it with a team that you don't have the rotation or the depth of players and relying on players who've been there before. And that's an easy thing to talk about being like they've been there before. But when you don't have the legs at the international level, you got to play smart. You got to play differently. And I think Costa Rica have adjusted on the fly to realize like this is who we are, not who we used to be. And and this is what it's going to take to to now be on the verge of qualifying for a World Cup, which is really impressive. It's really impressive. And I think if they end up getting that spot and beating New Zealand to to make it happen, really to speak. I mean, they should do a TED talk or, or write a book about or how Solomon they did it. Islands, Jimmy or Solomon okay, Islands. All right. All right. New Zealand. All right. Or Solomon <laughs> Islands. OK, shout out to Solomon Islands. All of a sudden, our Oceanic expert here, Julio Campos, said. Uh, Heath Pierce is our oceanic expert, so we appreciate yeah. you, Heath. We've got our big, one of our biggest fan bases uh, is Solomon Islands. So we got to give shout outs to them, you know. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> if you guys are new here, 
We see with a lot of new faces in the chat. Make sure you hit like and subscribe. Turn on your notifications. In Soccer We Trust is your new destination for everything U.S. soccer related, especially the U.S. men's national team. So make that happen. If you're listening in podcast form, make sure you hit that subscribe button as well. All right. So we have another game we haven't discussed yet, and that is Honduras versus Mexico. And Chuck, they barely did the business. They had 70% possession. They were controlling most of it, but they still lack that, eh, let me say, chicharito in front of the in front of the goal, a tap-in merchant, somebody who gets in around and creates space and just knows where to be at the right time. Even though they have a very impressive front three with Tecatito and Raul Jimenez and Chucky Lozano, they're still not maybe lacking that one player that, that underneath them that can unlock better opportunities, more clear-cut opportunities. They got the result, 1-0. Edson Alvarez on a set piece, 70th minute, took some pressure off. They're now on 25 points. They're feeling satisfied, I'd say, that they are where they are. A lot of Mexican fans, super unhappy with Tata Martino, but he's still in charge. He started the same 11 that he started against the U.S. Maybe there's some question marks there. Maybe he should have made a couple changes. What are you thinking about this Mexican national team? Charlie, they're going to qualify for sure. They got El Salvador mm-hmm. at home in the last game. The only new oh, draw. I, I, lo- I love the jinx. Go ahead. I'm jinxing <laughs> them. Yeah. Maybe. Nice they, and easy. You know, they'll win easy. If, if, if they lose to El Salvador at home, and Azteca isn't the old Azteca, right? It's not as intimidating no. as it once was. And Costa Rica beats us, then Mexico would drop into the fourth spot and take on Solomon Islands, Heath Pierce. Or but, New but Zealand. Talk, or New Zealand. But talk about this, this, this Mexican national team because they just don't seem as threatening as they once were. But we can all see how much talent they have on the field. And we all know that Tata Martino is a good manager, but something doesn't seem like it's 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 right right now. It feels a little off. No, I, I think for me, you look at this Mexican national team, we always talk about their front three, the quality that they have. But the heart, the heartbeat of this Mexican national team has always been their midfield. It's mm-hmm. always been mm-hmm. because they're they're the midfield sets the tone and they usually keep possession and they're the ones who are pushing the other teams because they're, they're playing those killer balls and they're, they're dynamic because they play with each other. This Mexican midfield has been very slow, has been disconnected. There, there hasn't been, uh, I think a, a strong partnership between Hector Herrera and Edson Alvarez. For me, Edson Alvarez, you look at him, you're like, this guy can't be playing for Ajax because he looks, he gets isolated. One, he doesn't have pace. They make him do too much because he, he his strong game is not covering right. the, the pitch like Tyler Adams, right? It's for me getting in the right, cutting off the passing lanes, being a tough tackler, but getting off his feet right away, right away, mm-hmm. not having time and space. And then they haven't had that third player. You know, right now they're, they're trying Charlie Rodriguez, you know, that really hasn't worked well for them. I think Diego Lainez, who we saw in the nation's league and we've seen, you know, flashes of brilliance, needs to be on the pitch. You need to find a way to get him right. going. I know he's not playing with his club, but he's a special player. He's a he, he gives you something different that you don't have. Tecatito, yeah, he's starting to play well for Sevilla now, but he doesn't look the part with the Mexican national team. He looks a little bit slow. He's not – he gets a, a perfect opportunity against the U.S. men's national team and takes a, a, a donkey touch out. That, that's uncharacteristic. Right, right. Of a I haven't heard the word donkey but, touch in a while. Yeehaw, yeehaw. <laughs> that's great. Uh, yeah, we saw we saw a couple of those uh, in that match. but And then Chucky Lozano. We thought he would take the next step in his career, in, right. in his evolution, especially in the, the, the last World Cup when he scored against Germany. 
I thought, man, this I is was at that be, game. It was sick. He's going to be a big time player, and he hasn't yet taken that next step. And he, it always seems like he's just off. Every time he takes a shot, it's almost there. He hits it with the right pace, but it's it's not on target. So I think for Mexico, they have to figure out the midfield first because the back line's not great, right? And then, and then the midfield, they're not controlling the game. They they're all have always been known to control the game and dictate the tempo. They're not right. Doing that. No, no, I love that insight, and I think you're you're spot on. I want to go back to some scores, Heath, before I throw it to you because after they beat El Salvador 2-0, they lost to us 2-0 in Cincinnati. They lose to Canada 2-1 in, in Canada, the famous snow game. They they go to Jamaica. They're down 1-0 in that game, and Jamaica got unlucky to get a red card, if you remember. One, they had that man advantage. They finally score a couple of goals late, and, and Alexis Vega comes on and makes a big difference and, and uh, kind of changed the game there. I feel like they're missing a playmaker, but they get a 2-1 win there. Then it's 0-0 against Costa Rica, 1-0 win at home against Panama, 0-0 against us, and now just a, a very slight 1-0 win against Honduras. They've only scored two goals in the last four games, and all of them have been must-win games. But when you look at Hector Herrera, you look at uh, Charlie Rodriguez, when you look at Edson Alvarez, I don't see any playmakers there. I see guys yeah. that are willing to do the work, put the shift in, can can break the lines with Pat. They're all good players. But where's that one player? Is it, is it Lionez? Is it... Somebody they're missing a 10. They don't have a 10, man. They don't have anybody to connect the dots, be that yeah. connective tissue, as you like to say. And I think that's going to hurt them. They might not make it out of the group stages this time around and, and lose again in the round of 16. Shout out to you guys for doing that for five. Cause listen, we didn't do it. So I get it. You guys can come at me hard <laughs> if you want, but you've lost in the round of 16, five consecutive world cups. They're missing a number 10. And which is why I always think of Guardado is still kind of around being called in because at least he has a little bit of that. What do you say? Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I know Charlie doesn't like the phrase like suffering a bit, but I I specifically remember times that you play against Mexico and you watch Mexico play and it was just a matter of time, right? They would just wear you down attacking wise. And eventually mm -hmm. some combination play was going to happen where they were going to get a little bit of an advantage, whether it was their first chance or their 10th chance. And you needed to, you, you knew that they were going to get, like, I remember specifically knowing Mexico was going to get chances against you. And you needed a little bit of luck. You needed mm -hmm. discipline. <laughs> yeah. You needed to know that if you were gonna if you were gonna get beat, you you know that's where the that's where that mentality of the national team was built on is that you know there was gonna be times where I got beat one on one, and I needed to know that whoever was coming behind me was gonna come hard and and take that next player next player out and like really really try to disrupt anything they were gonna do. I don't see that now for Mexico. I don't see this team that just wears on you and wears on you. I see a team sort of looking for an identity half chances being created. I see individual stars, but not ones where it's like anywhere. I go back to Charlie, like you said, Diego Linus, you go back to the Nations League final. When you go to that extra time, they were making the U.S. Uh, uh, sweat. Mm -hmm. Side to side attacks coming from every angle. It was like they were coming from everywhere. And we got out of that from fight and a little bit of luck and all the things that I just mentioned. But that was the Mex that was like Mexico that I remember Mexico. And right now, since then, they haven't really looked that dangerous where they have a multiple threats on the field that are all on the same page, and there's just like a little bit of that magic with them. I think a little bit of that magic's gone right now. Yeah, it is. I'm curious to see if they can recapture it. I don't know if it's going to happen in the last game against El Salvador, but definitely over the next five or six months leading up to the World Cup. All right, everybody, we are calling it a podcast this time around. We're going to get some final thoughts from all of us, favorite former U.S. men's national team players of yours. But I just as a reminder, I want to let you know, we're coming back to you tomorrow for our preview of the Costa Rica game. That's going to be happening at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. So come back and join us on the YouTubes or be on the lookout for it if you're listening to it on podcast form. Charlie, I'm coming to you first. Final thoughts. Match day 13 out of 14 in World Cup qualifying. We are 99% there. The U.S. men's national team, 
of qualifying for the World Cup. The job is almost done. Mm -hmm. What do you have to say? I have to say I'm relieved. I know <laughs> I, I know it's not official, it. but it. I'm I'm relieved. It, it, these past two performances have have been such a confidence booster for not only the the players but for Greg Berhalter. I think for mm -hmm. for for people who have always been the doubters, the haters, you have to admit where we are right now. Two trophies in the rearview mirror and now on the verge of qualifying for the World Cup because that was always the goal. It was never to finish first in World Cup qualifying. I think everyone thought Mexico had it locked up. Mm -hmm. Mexico, uh, Canada came out of nowhere. But the, the, the idea and the goal was let's get this group some, some experience in this World Cup, right? So that in 2026, we stand the best chance of, of really turning heads and, and getting to a final for the first time or getting to a semifinal. That, that's the goal. This group took a huge step after these two matches. Now you, you finish strong against Costa Rica, and then you you look to, to continue to build off of this. We, we have identified some really uh, key talents, and I think mm -hmm. there's some that are still developing in the process. But this is exciting. I think this is where we all want to be. Yeah, and I absolutely love it. Injected straight into my veins, Charlie Davies. All right, Heath Pierce, final thoughts. Uh, I just want to wish the Solomon Islands good luck at 10 a.m. <laughs> kickoff Pacific time, 10 a.m. on Wednesday, taking on New Zealand. Uh, Oceania team hasn't been in the World Cup since 2010. So, uh, you know, again, I don't. You know, New Zealand in the 2010 World Cup didn't lose any games. They had three zero zero draws in a row. That is some kind yeah, of. Yeah, but didn't, didn't Portugal won the Euros off of winning only one game in the whole tournament? So it can be done, Jimmy. Like It uh, can be done. Uh, Solomon be, Islands. It's just Maybe all math. <laughs> yeah. Maybe have a chance. All right. My final thoughts. Thank you for supporting in soccer. We trust we'll see you tomorrow, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern for our preview of the Costa Rica game and all the other games that are happening in CONCACAF on the last match day of World Cup qualifying. We appreciate your support, and we will see you then. Later. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.